Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to be in episode 19, Technology and Its Fruits by Martin DeHaan, The Days of Noah. Let's get to it. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness, Ezekiel 16, 49. Thus does the prophet Ezekiel sum up the conditions of the society in the days just prior to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 18 and 19, we have a detailed description of the same conditions as an age of wickedness, violence, and filthy immorality. These were overt sins admitted by all to be evil and immoral. But Ezekiel adds three sins which are not considered immoral or wicked in the same degree. And yet the prophet describes them as sins which brought on the judgment of God. They are as follows. One, pride. That's ungodliness. Two, fullness of bread or surplus of food. And three, abundance of idleness, unemployment. We dealt in our past message with the sin of pride and saw that it is the same as ungodliness. Refusal to give God proper credit and recognition. It is attributing to our own wisdom and ingenuity the progress we have made, not realizing that the faculties and brains and wisdom are not ours by choice or achievement, but the gift of God. It is refusal to be thankful to God for eyes, ears, hands, and minds with the possession of which we had absolutely nothing to do. The fact that you can read this message is not something you did for yourself. For if you had been born blind or an idiot or a moron, you would not have been able to read at all. God is the giver of all, and pride is failure to recognize God as the author of every faculty and blessing we possess. This sin of pride characterized the days of Noah, the ungodly age, and the days of Lot, the haughty age. Ezekiel says of Sodom, And they were haughty and committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away as I saw good. Ezekiel 16.50 The second sin of Sodom mentioned by Ezekiel is fullness of bread. It was an age of unprecedented prosperity and overproduction. It was an age of surplus of food and commodities. This was undoubtedly due in the days of Noah to the tremendous industrial, economic, and agricultural expansion. We have previously pointed out the picture in Genesis 4 as an age of agricultural prosperity, the beginning of the metallurgical age with its concomitant moral decay. In the days of Lot, this condition of overproduction and surpluses was due to the unusual fertility of the Jordan Valley before the judgment fell on the cities of the plains. The regions of Sodom and Gomorrah are described in Genesis 13. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, Genesis 13.10. It was indeed an age of fullness of bread and overproduction, which resulted in an abundance of idleness and unemployment. One cannot fail to see the unmistakable picture of the present economic condition in our own land. Due to our technological progress, the tremendous productive capacity both of farm and factory has resulted in our present problem of overproduction and surpluses. Our own government is spending billions of dollars to support prices of farm products by taking them off the market in the face of increased production way beyond our demand and consumption. A few years ago, and the figures must have increased in the succeeding years, Statistics showed that the government had purchased dried potatoes, costing millions of dollars, and had placed them in surplus storage. They also had stored a surplus of dried eggs, amounting to 76 million pounds at a cost of $98 million. 15 million pounds are stored in an old quarry in Kansas. 
just to store these eggs cost the government $2 million for refrigeration and 22000 for electricity per year, plus 136000 in salaries. And then after this expense, no one wants to eat the eggs when there is still such a surplus of fresh eggs. 50 million bushels of potatoes have been bought by the government at a cost of a half a billion dollars. There are enough supplies of wheat in storage to make 12 loaves of bread for every man, woman, and child in the world. Enough corn to supply all the cornstarch, syrup, and corn oil to last the United States five years. Butter enough to make a birthday cake for every child under 15 for the next 10 years. Enough cotton for 54 house dresses for every woman in the land, and all this surplus is lying idle while we are paying the highest prices in history for the same commodities which have glutted the market. Farmers are being paid to neglect their farms. The Soil Bank provides for payments for agriculturists for allowing their land to lie idle to prevent still greater surpluses. In many instances, it is more profitable to sit idle than to cultivate the land. People are fined for producing above their quota, as the surpluses increase, more and more storage facilities are needed at still greater expense. On a recent trip through the West, we were amazed at the hundreds of surplus sites for the storage of farm products. Traveling through Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa, we saw scores and scores of groups, large and small, of storage bins, some of them covering acres and acres of ground, and we add to them constantly. I must confess that I am totally confused by the strange paradox of stepping up production on the one hand and then spending astronomical sums to curtail that same production which we have encouraged. To the layman, unable to understand the logic of the planners, all this leaves one completely bewildered. While we spend millions and billions to produce greater yields per acre by soil conservation, better management, soil erosion programs, and the intelligent use of fertilizers, at the same time we are removing vast areas of fertile land from production in order to prevent a greater surplus. We spend millions for irrigation, the building of dams to provide water for barren lands, and methods for reclaiming wastelands. And then after spending millions to produce more, we allow vast areas of already productive lands to lie idle, and even pay the owners as much and more for not working their land than if they kept it in a normal production. To some of us who do not understand the reasoning of these experts, it does not make sense. To cause millions of acres of good productive land to lie idle and pay the owners for doing so, and then spend other millions to bring other areas into production by scientific reclamation and scientific farming just doesn't add up in the minds of us novices. The situation apparently is not a new one, for Ezekiel gives as one of the conditions in the days of Lot, which led to the destruction of Sodom, the sin of fullness of bread or overproduction. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, it would again be in the latter days. But a more serious result was caused by this situation of surplus, and is called by Ezekiel. The grievous sins of Sodom, which led to her ultimate judgment, may be traced to idleness. This would naturally follow the fullness of bread and overproduction. Man was able to produce the necessities and luxuries of life with such sufficiency and speed that he had time left on his hands, and unemployment was the result. Ezekiel expresses it as abundance of idleness. Someone had suggested the interpretation of the original to be idleness caused by overabundance. Whatever the cause of idleness in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is no secret what is causing the idleness of these latter days. God gave to man work to do, to keep him from being idle with all of its accompanying dangers and temptations. What I am going to say now will not be popular with most people, but it is true just the same. 
God intended that man should labor six days out of the seven and rest one day from his physical toiling. The time was to be spent in a special way in worshiping God and being busy in spiritual matters. Six days thou shalt labor is as much a part of the fourth commandment as the seventh day thou shalt rest. When God gave the law to Israel, he said, Six days shalt thou labor. Thousands and thousands of sermons have been preached on the part of the commandment which says, The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it thou shalt do no work. But how many sermons have you heard on six days shalt thou labor? Not five days or four and one half, but six. This was God's provision to keep man from the evils and temptations of idleness. We mentioned the three sins of Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. One follows naturally upon the other. Overproduction is the cause of idleness. As it was in the days of Lot, so it is today. Jesus told us when this condition would reoccur, and it would herald the last days. A generation ago, our fathers worked six days a week and rested on the seventh day. Today, men work only five days a week, and even as I write this, there is powerful movement on foot for a 30-hour week. We have forgotten that work is a blessing, and abundance of idleness is a curse. Today, man is trying his best to get away from work. Of course, we know the cause of this evil. It is the natural result of man's technological progress. Labor-saving machinery and automation have made the need of manpower less and less. The machine has replaced the man, and mechanical brains have made it less and less necessary to use our own brains. Anyone can push a button and let the machine do the work. Basically, this condition is the fruit of the selfish heart of man. In a highly competitive society where survival depends on doing a thing better than our rivals, man is constantly seeking to cut down the cost of his production so as to gain the advantage over his competitor. He therefore invents, improves, perfects, and produces methods by which he can do the job faster, cheaper, and with as little labor cost as possible. In this technological age, the machine has become the master, and the constant problem of unemployment stares us in the face. This threat is now being met by cutting down working hours in order to distribute the available employment over a larger number of individuals, and the result? Abundance of idleness. How is man to use his extra time when he is not working? In his search, he turns to pleasure, recreation, fun, and sin. Idleness is the cause of more crime and violence than any other factor in society. Man, instead of using his spare time in useful pursuits, is interested only in seeking ways to please the flesh, until we have become a nation of pleasure-mad people, and much of the trouble, immorality, and wickedness can be traced to the curse of idleness. To meet the demand for activities during spare time and idle hours, we have built amusement houses, taverns, theaters, parks, recreational areas, not to mention other dens of sin, vice, gambling, and corruption. Instead of using the spare time at home with the family and improving ourselves by constructive reading and spiritual exercise, the average man must be on the go, go, go in an effort to gratify the flesh and pass the time. Where is the home where the family spends an evening together? When I was a boy, father worked six days a week and still had more time for his family and for the church than men have today with all their leisure time. Today, with our automobiles, our parks, our beaches, houses of pleasure, theaters, taverns, and whatnot, many a parent is not home enough to become acquainted with his own family. The result, juvenile delinquency and teenage crime are increasing by leaps and bounds. But Jesus predicted these days would come when he said the days of Sodom would be repeated. 
The words of Ezekiel take on real meaning when he describes the three sins of Sodom as pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Jesus said, so shall it be, and here we are, for so it is today. The age of grace is running out. One of these days, the day of reckoning is coming. Men may scoff at the seeming delay, and men may imagine God does not see. But in an hour when men think not, then he shall come. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days indefinitely, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. Ecclesiastes 8, 11 through 13. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hebrews 4, 7. Well, guys, I tell you, it's undeniable. This was written in 1963 when Martin DeHaan did his broadcast. And he is telling us exactly what we see today the idleness our children don't have things to do therefore they look for things to do which generally gets them in trouble please take note of this please look at your schedule try to make the adjustments that need to be made get the children busy doing things allow them to work allow them to have responsibility and it will absolutely change your life and your family Guys, I hope this has helped, and if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless.